Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello and welcome to Money is Emotional with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Me too. This is, uh, you know, for the, for the new listener, this is podcast number two, really. And um, man, it, you, you've titled this Why Money is So Emotional. And I just cannot wait to dive into this with you. Yes. Well, yeah, we're going to explore the brain science behind why money is so emotional brains and what we can do about it <laughs> yes. brains okay um I, I, i'm such a geek for this kind of stuff i just you know anything behavioral to me is is fascinating yes okay so where do we start this is a huge topic well the first point i want to make is that it is impossible to make a purely logical money decision and science backs this up. Okay. So it was very interesting because they found this out by accident. They were studying, the scientists were studying this group of stroke patients. Hmm. And they had damage in the part of their brain that processed emotion. So these people were very high functioning. Okay. However, they had a hard time expressing emotion and interpreting emotion in other people. And while they were doing the study with them, they took a break for lunch and they said, what would you like to eat for lunch? Do you want a hamburger or would you like a chicken sandwich? None of them could make a decision. Really? They could logically say, well, the chicken sandwich is healthier because beef has more fat in it. And they're like, so do you want the chicken sandwich? That <laughs> they could not make a decision. Really? And so all of our decisions, not just money decisions, happen in the same part of our brain that processes emotion. And this is why I get so frustrated with financial professionals when they tell people just leave emotion out hmm. of your decision making yeah. when it comes to your money because they're literally asking people to do something that's physically impossible and the problem with that is when it happens and we make a quote unquote emotional money decision then we beat ourselves up mm -hmm. and we think there's something wrong with us and we feel defeated. Like there's, there's something we're Guilty, defective, right? Yes. A little bit of guilt in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, some people might say, okay, great. I can't make a logical 
money decision. Like, <laughs> this is horrible. Like, am I screwed? No, you're not screwed. This doesn't mean that we can't bring logic into the equation. Really, the best decisions that we can make relative to money, we are consulting both our intellect and our emotions. Mm -hmm. Because if we think about the flip side, and you may have tried to make what you thought were purely logical financial decisions. And there's, it's happened to me where it's like, this is really the right thing to do. You know, if we're looking at all the personal finance books, this is the way I should handle this situation. But then something doesn't feel right in your gut and you go ahead and do it. And then you find out later that there was some information you didn't know because you didn't, you didn't trust your emotions, mm -hmm. right? You didn't trust your gut. All of a sudden, what appeared to be on paper, the best logical decision ended up turning into a disaster. Mm -hmm. So what I tell people is, you know, this isn't a bad thing that money is emotional. However, we haven't been taught how to properly process our emotions so that the negative ones don't cause us to make decisions we regret later on. But we also haven't been taught how to harness our positive emotions and use those to our advantage to pour fuel on the fire of our motivation. And so that's really what this podcast is all about. And we're going to really unpack this in future episodes, especially as it relates to the different areas of personal finance, like the spending, the saving, the debt mm -hmm. reduction, etc. But I really want people to understand that money being emotional is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a human thing. Yeah. The other thing that's really important for people to understand is that there are factors outside of our conscious awareness that are affecting our behavior with money. What do you mean by that? 95% of our daily behavior is governed by our unconscious mind. Really? 95%. 95%? Yes. Isn't that insane? That's a little scary. <laughs> it is kind of scary. <laughs> but here's the thing. When we have repeated a behavior over and over and over again, mm -hmm. it basically becomes our automatic programming, right? Mm -hmm. It moves from our conscious mind into our unconscious mind. When you were a kid, you consciously had to think about how to tie your shoes. Right. You had to say Correct, like, oh, yeah. this one crosses over here. Then we make the little bunny ear and we loop it around. You had to think about tying your shoes. Now you just tie your shoes. And this is actually a good thing because if we had to use our conscious brain power to remember how to tie our shoes, brush our teeth, drive a car, etc., mm -hmm. we wouldn't have those resources for the really important things like doing our job, having important conversations with our families, 
you know, mm -hmm. dealing with something that requires focus and attention. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that that's how our brain works. But the problem is there are programs running in our unconscious mind relative to money that we don't know about hmm. because we haven't really explored what's in there. And so the best way that I've heard it described is your money blueprint. And I learned this analogy from uh, T. Harvecker in his book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which I highly recommend. It's a very good book. Okay. But the basics of it is this. There's a lot of people out there who want to build the equivalent of a two-story financial house. But in their unconscious mind, they have a ranch blueprint. <laughs> okay. So it really doesn't matter how hard they work or how fast they work or what building materials they buy or who they hire they're only going to get a ranch blueprint, mm -hmm. right? Like you're operating off of that ranch blueprint. It doesn't matter what they do. They're only going to get a ranch house with that blueprint. They're never going to get a two story. If you want to get a two story, you have to go back to the blueprint mm -hmm. and you have to fix the blueprint. And so you might be wondering, well, how does that stuff get down in there? It, there's a lot of various ways. Much of it happened when we were very young and very impressionable. And we witnessed our parents and the other important people in our lives interacting with money, talking about money. We accepted it as the truth. You know, when you're three, four, five years old, you see your parents as the bringers of truth, right? You trust mm -hmm. them yep. unquestionably. They're the ones that tell you how the world works. You might not remember as a 45 year old, some of those things that they told you, but your unconscious mind remembers it's, it's down in there. And so one of the things that I help people do is to start unearthing that blueprint because we need to uncover what's down in there in order to correct it if there's something in there we don't like. So do you want to know the best way to start uncovering that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is to start paying attention to what you think and what you say about money. Okay. L let me ask you this. On the flip side of that coin, what if you're what if you grew up in a household, and I know you've run into this, where uh, your parents didn't talk about money? There's a lot of us in this generation that, you know, that was a taboo subject. You didn't talk about politics. You didn't talk about money. You didn't talk about sex, things like that necessarily. Or your right. parents didn't talk to you about it. And so my assumption is that then you have money assumptions, right? Because you don't have a necessarily a learned behavior from parents that taught you you just assumed certain things about money. Is that, am I on the right track there? Absolutely. But here's the thing, even if your parents 
never sat you down mm -hmm. and taught you, you know, here's how you manage your money. Here's how to save money. You observed them interacting with mm. money. Mm -hmm. You heard them talk about money in some form or fashion. You might've heard them say, money doesn't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to work really hard yeah. to make money. I mean, my parents, you know, I, I had a very healthy upbringing. You know, my parents did talk about money. However, there were some things that I picked up from them, which were very well-meaning things, but they, they caused me some, some pain, financial pain later in life because they were holding me back. Gotcha. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, one of the things that my parents said was you have to work really hard for money. And I'm sure they didn't want my brother and I to be, you know, freeloaders or loafers. They were trying to raise responsible humans. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember in the context of I don't remember if I broke something or I was, we were roughhousing with a toy or something like that. And my dad said, Hey, I worked really hard to earn the money to buy that. Don't you break that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't want us to, to break our toys. He didn't want us to waste money, but that got stuck down deep in, in my unconscious that that's the only way to get money is to work really hard. Mm. That's the way that my child childish brain twisted that. Like that's the only way to make money is to work hard. In the beginning of my business, I worked really hard. And I, you know, working full time was making half of what I'm making now working 25 hours a week. Mm. Because I thought I had to work hard, which meant I was underpricing myself. I was not pursuing any avenues for passive or recurring income from mm -hmm. things like course sales and books, etc. Because I felt like it had to be hard. If if it wasn't hard, it didn't count, and I couldn't I couldn't get money any other way. And there's something very interesting about our brain. And that is, there's a part of it called the reticular activating system. Have you heard of this? I have, but I don't know what it does. Okay. So I like to call it the bouncer in your brain. Oh, nice. The reticular activating system is basically a filter. There are literally billions of stimuli that are bombarding us every minute, every second. Mm -hmm. If this filter wasn't in place, we would be so overwhelmed, we'd be like a puddle of jello on the floor. So th this serves a very important function for us. Yeah. <laughs> what it does is it will allow the things in that it knows are important to us. And it will block out the things that are unimportant or that contradict our deeply held 
beliefs. Can you see where I'm going with this? Yes, I can. <laughs> so because I had said to myself over and over again, you got to work hard to make money. My brain was literally blocking out opportunities for me to make money in a way that was quote unquote effortless or mm -hmm. easy because it said, no, that is not important to us. We don't believe that. Hmm. And so I was literally not even seeing the opportunities. You know, I would just like gloss over them and be like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, easy money. Must be too good to be true, if I even saw them at all, which is crazy. So if, if you doubt the, uh, you know, if you doubt that this works, most people have experienced this when they're car shopping. So if you all of a sudden decide, I am going to buy, you know, I bought an Alfa Romeo last year, a mm -hmm. white one, not a very common car, especially here in, in the Midwest. When I decided I wanted that car, I was seeing one about once a week, Yes, which is insane because <laughs> there are hardly any in this area. So like once you decide you want something or that something is important to you, all of a sudden you see evidence of it everywhere. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. I thought, I've, I've always had a Chevy, a Chevy truck. Okay. And a year ago, I, I asked my son, hey, look, I need a pickup truck. Um, I had given him my old Chevy. Um, it needed some work. He's a mechanic. So I'm like, here, take this, uh, you know, make it run better and, and it's yours. And so I said, but I, you know, went without a truck for almost a year. I'm like, oh, this is driving me crazy. So he works at a dealership as a mechanic. And I said, Hey, I need you to find me a truck. You know, just let me know when they, you get one in that you, you think it's good. And he checked a couple for me that I had seen. And he's like, don't, don't get this, don't get this. And then all of a sudden this Dodge Ram comes in, uh, Ram 1500 with a Hemi, beautiful little truck. And I buy used. So He's like, Hey, this is really sound. And it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's a really good truck and you can get it for a good price. So I did, I picked it up and wouldn't you know it, everybody copied me. There were so many Dodge Rams <laughs> on the road after I bought mine that I just thought I am a trendsetter here. Uh, <laughs> is... Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. But I totally, I think everybody can relate to that, right? Yes. Because once I got that Dodge, it was, I, you know, I'm waving at other Dodge owners. You know, they have no idea who I am. <laughs> They're like, why are you waving at me? <laughs> hey buddy, you know, because, yeah. Just don't do the one-fingered wave. No, I don't. I, I try to avoid that as much as possible. <laughs> but yeah, that's Good. so that's so strange because that's that happens every time. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing that I suggest to all my clients is that they start to pay attention to the things they're thinking and the things that they're saying when it comes to money. Mm, and if yeah. you can actually start a list, you know, whether it's on a piece of paper, whether you want to you know, start a list in your phone. And it's funny because sometimes people will come back to me and they'll be like, uh, my dad is in my head or <laughs> my mom is in my head or my grandma's in my head. Like, here's all the things that I found myself thinking or saying 
when it came to money. Now, some of them might be good and we can say, hey, I, I want to hang on to this. But when we find something there that we don't want to hang on to, then we need to start paying attention to that so we can say, all right, what would I like to replace this with? What do I really want that programming to be, that money blueprint to look like? Mm. And let's find something different that we can counter. So when that negative thought comes up, we can say, I've decided not to believe that anymore. Here's what I believe instead. So that we can start to overwrite that. Wow. So I'm, I'm the, having this little bit of an epiphany. Okay. Honestly, from what you said, because okay. when I was like 12, I had a paper route and I made way more money than a 12 year old should with this paper. <laughs> route. And, and literally, you know, it was a, it was a lot of work. Sure. But I got to ride my bike all the time. And, you know, so it wasn't that big of a deal. I enjoyed it in a lot of ways. And I probably brought in on a monthly basis between 200 and $250. Not a lot for a month, but for a 12-year-old, good Lord. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I never really was talked to about, I, I'm sure, I know my dad said, you, you need to save some money. Never showed me how, never helped me set up an account. Just, you don't need to, don't spend all your money. That doesn't mean anything to a 12-year-old who has too much money and is going to the store all the time <laughs> right. with his buddies, right? So I always knew that there was next month. I always knew that I would go out and collect mm. more money, right? And my dad worked full-time for Boeing and... When my parents needed, we, we didn't grow up wealthy at all. It was, you know, we were in a, a lower income neighborhood for sure. But when we needed extra money, he could work overtime if he chose to on the weekends. Uh. So I, as you were talking about this, I, I realized very quickly that kind of my, one of my money messages is there was, there's always a way to make more money. There's, al there's mm. always time to make more money. And that hit me hard. <laughs> in my early 20s when jobs were more scarce and there mm. wasn't always a way to make more money. You you know, living within a budget was different for me <laughs> because yeah. I always thought there's, oh, I can always just do this or I can always, you know, there's always some overtime. That, no, no, there's not. Um, <laughs> that was hard. Yeah, I, that's so funny. I just realized that, yeah. that that was kind of something that I grew up with. Yeah, that's interesting. I certainly well, think that's healthier than than my money mindset maybe. <laughs> At least you were positive that there's always more money to be made. And I'm like, no, you got to work really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> From the sweat of your brow. Yeah. Well, in the final point that I want to make in this episode mm -hmm. is that one of the reasons why money is so emotional is because money decisions are not made in a vacuum. They are entangled with our relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and with the different situations that are going on around us. You know, on the surface, a financial decision might have a clear right answer. But once we put it in the context of a particular relationship or life situation, it becomes complicated. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you might think that co-signing alone is a terrible idea. And in your head, you might say, I would never co-sign a loan for anyone. Mm -hmm. But when someone you love is in a desperate situation, you might change your mind. So, you know, I don't know if you have a sister or not, but if, I do. if you don't, all right, well, okay. So let's, let's pretend that your sister called you. She said she's going through a horrible divorce. Um, 
you know, her ex, soon to be ex wrecked one of the cars and is taking the other one. You know, she's, she's got a place to live, but she has no car. She has no car to get back and forth to work, but she needs a cosigner. It's like, you know, my sister. <laughs> what Seriously. are you going to do? <laughs> right? Uh-huh. I mean, you're like, I've always said, this is my personal policy. I will never co-sign for anyone. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I don't just have like $20,000 that I can just plop in her lap and give to her. Then all of a sudden you change your mind on your policy because it's your sister. This is why money is so emotional. My parents did that. <laughs> I'm serious. This, that it's is like I'm situation. psychic. It, it seriously is. Divorced. <laughs> the guy is a, a, you know, we'll just won't say anything more about him, but he is not a good guy. Oh. And left her without a vehicle. And, <sighs> and, oh, but left the daughter with her. So, so long story short, my parents always, always said, we won't co-sign for you. You know, told me that. I don't know if she ever told her that, but he always told me that probably because I was terrible with money. Um, I'm not going to co-sign alone. We won't co-sign. Don't ask. Okay. And just. This is probably five years ago. Um, my sister got a car and, and you know, she goes, I couldn't believe it. Dad co-signed for me. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. So I just have to stop and tell the listeners, we did not have a conversation about not this before we recorded you this You didn't even episode. know I had a sister. I didn't. Yeah. I've only got one. No <laughs> brothers, but you, you, you nailed it. So. Uh, yeah. That's so, crazy. you know, money's emotional because... It's not just about the money. Yeah. And I want to, I want to explain a technique that can help dial the emotion back when you've got a financial decision to make. Mm -hmm. And I call it the be your own best friend technique. Okay. And essentially what you do is you write out the situation with as much detail as possible, but it's not happening to you. It's happening to your best friend. Oh man, that's brilliant. So in this situation, you know, with your sister, if your mm -hmm. dad was mulling this over, he might say, if my, you know, if my best friend came to me and said, Hey, here's this situation. Should I do this? Now, probably he's going to ask a bunch of questions like, well, is your daughter usually financially responsible? Mm -hmm. Is there any other way that she can get back and forth to work? Is she on the bus line? Is there any other way that we can buy this car without you co-signing? Can you get a cheaper car than a $20,000 car? <laughs> yeah. I mean, can we, can we get a $500 car just to like, you know, even if it lasts six months till yep. she gets on her feet and in a better situation? The AB car. We call that the AB car. Point <laughs> A to point B. Nothing. No frills, yes. no radio, no nothing. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's almost like the Fred Flintstone car where you gotta... <laughs> yeah, just, just above. You gotta use your feet to... <laughs> To break <laughs> for, for those that live in salty areas uh yeah it would, that actually does happen so oh my gosh yeah but that that has been very helpful for me when i've had those situations where i can just say all right my best friend's name is nicole if nicole came to me with this exact same situation Man. and it was like her significant other or her brother or her friend and this was the situation what, what, what advice would I give her? And here's the thing. 
the one thing we all need to do is to be our own very best friend. Mm -hmm. And as our own best friend, we need to say, if we, if we make this decision, despite our better judgment, and it goes bad, can we handle the downside? Because in the situation with your dad and your sister, mm -hmm. what if something happened and, you know, your sister wasn't able to work for some reason? She got laid off, she was mm -hmm. disabled, and all of a sudden your dad had to make that car payment. First of all, would that be a big financial strain on him? Would that be a relational an emotional strain on the relationship, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes we have to say, if, if the worst case scenario happened, could I handle the fallout? And if you can't, then there's your answer right there. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. Don't bother to try and take emotion out of your money. So I would love for our listeners to instead commit to increasing their emotional money IQ. And this is exactly why I started the podcast because I saw all of this, you know, this huge body of knowledge about here's what to do in all these different financial situations. You know, you grab a personal finance book and it says, hey, if you don't, if you don't like your results, just take these actions. But it never dealt with anything that comes before those actions, mm -hmm. right? The thoughts, the words, the emotions, all those things that, that trigger us to act. And really, the, the place in that, um, and that flow of, you know, thoughts, words, emotions, actions, results, it comes between the emotion and the action. And we have this small window where we can catch ourselves and say, what do I want to do here? Right? Because only 5% of our daily actions are conscious. And so if we start to pay more attention to our thoughts, our words, our emotions around money, we're going to start to become conscious and we're going to start to catch ourselves. Yeah. But I want to encourage people because usually what happens first is we catch ourselves after the action mm -hmm. and we say, oh, crap, I did it again. Yeah. But that's actually a good thing because you're actually increasing your awareness and you didn't do that before. Yeah, true. So it's still progress because what happens is now you've got the, the mindfulness where you're actually aware of things and you're catching things. And at first it's going to be after it's happened, then it's going to be before. And that's the natural progression of how that usually happens. Mm-hmm. So our whole goal here is 
you know, let's increase this awareness around our emotions when it comes to money. And, you know, rather than fighting against our emotions, we can actually learn how to harness their power and make financial decisions that we're happy with both now and later. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm assuming you'd agree that it's a muscle, right? It's, it's a muscle yes. that you need to exercise and it's any type of exercise that we start kind of hurts sometimes. And it's, it's, yes. you know, it's not pleasant necessarily. And it's just, <laughs> it's because it's something we're not used to. Like when I golf, like once every three years, all of a sudden, I just don't understand why my back hurts where it hurts the next day. <laughs> it's because I, I never exercise that swing muscle, whatever the swing muscle is called. I don't know what it's called, but you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, yes. it's, it's, yeah. you've got to exercise something and it takes practice and repetition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. And, um, you know, if our listeners are intrigued by today's topic and they want to dive deeper into the brain science behind money, um, so that you can use it to your advantage, then you're going to love my course. It's called Magnetic Money Mindset, and it provides all the tools, all the science-backed tools that you need to harness your unconscious mind and to win with money. So we're going to link that up in the show notes, um, but it is magneticmindsetbundle.com if you just can't wait. Okay, right on. Well, Christine, this is fantastic. I mean, I, I love the topic. I love getting geeky with this kind of stuff. And uh, you taught me a ton today, and I know that the, the audience learned a ton as well. Yeah, and we're just getting started. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to dive but deeper We're into scratching this. the surface. Absolutely. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for uh, providing this podcast for the audience. Hey, it's my pleasure. You bet. And our last thank you will always go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this does actually help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website, at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com and don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.